This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It's time for Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition. Here we are an Odyssey original podcast. So please do us a favor and make sure you subscribe to the show if you haven't already done so. Wherever you get your audio, just search Silver and Black today. Hit the subscribe button and then put on the auto download. That way, every time we have a new show, you don't have to go looking for it. We will deliver it to you because we are giving people. That's right. Just do that. You can also hear us on the radio on Saturdays at 6 p.m. If you're getting game time ready and you're in Las Vegas, you can tune us in on the Bet Las Vegas as well. And to our YouTube audience, thanks for being there. And the chat, hit the subscribe and the notifications bell. All right, we are back. Full full team here. Mo Moten, Scott Branson. Mo is the senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report, excuse me, covering the entire league. He also covers the Raiders for SportsNot.com, where he is a Raiders columnist. You can follow him on X.com at Mo Moton, that's M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully, the show SMB today. You can also follow my work up on sportsnot.com as well. So, Mo, uh, first time I've had a chance to talk to you since the game on Sunday. And the Raiders, you know, it, it was a, a big mixed bag, right? So you look at what this defense was able to do, holding Miami to 20 points. Being realistic, being objective, yes, they got help from a Miami team that at times was hitting on all cylinders, at other times was not. They lose, of course, A-Chain, the back, the running back again to an injury. He goes out of the game. They also lost Tyreek Hill for a time there when Jalen Waddell stepped up in his place and did pretty well. But overall, got to be, I think, proud of the way this Raider defense went in and played this Miami team. The offense on the other side of the coin, not so great. We'll get to that in a minute. But your impressions from this game, Raiders were 14-point were underdogs, okay, rolling in here. They end up losing by seven and really had every opportunity to win this game. I think to sum it up, missed opportunities. And from a fan perspective, I held the Bleach Report live post game as I always do. And there was a mixture of disappointment but encouraging Uh an encouraging type of outlook. And I'll explain because disappointment, obviously, I just mentioned, the Raiders only scored six points off the Dolphins' three turnovers. You got to score more. You got to at least get a touchdown in there <laughs> if you're going to get all those turnovers. Nate Haas was in a turnover. Luke Masterson getting a forced fumble. Isaiah Paula Miles stepping in for Marcus Epson getting an interception. You have to capitalize off that, and the Raiders weren't able to do that. And that was probably the Dolphins' worst offensive showing of the season. Remember, this is the same team that put up seven on the Denver Broncos in week three. So they could put up points in, in flurries. They didn't do that because they were pretty sloppy on Sunday. But I, I – while you could say, yeah, the Raiders hung with the Dolphins, 
you can you can understand people saying I'm disappointed because yeah, they hung with the Dolphins, but that's a game that, as you said, they could have won. It was in the palm of their hands because that was the Dolphins were at their lowest point. So if I again, if I were to sum this up, I would say missed opportunities. But you look at the Raiders' defense. I know the offense didn't play well outside of the first quarter, but you look at the defense. The defense gives them a chance to hang around in, in games against marquee uh, teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, like the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the, the other tough game that they have, the Minnesota Vikings, I know they lost to the Denver Broncos, but they're still a playoff caliber team right now. They can hang with those teams because of their defense. The offense just has to catch up right now. Yeah, the offense has to catch up. And look, at this has been the problem since last year. Uh, I mean, last year they rushed the ball well, though. They did, they did a lot better last season. But this season, what concerned me, Mo, was I saw a regression. And look, the Aiden O'Connell discussion we'll get to in a minute because that's separate, um, although it's it's tied in with a lot of different things. It, but this offense has been a problem all season. And what I saw out of rookie, and again, I'm not forgetting that he's never done it before, Bo Hardegree, we saw some creativity, a little bit of wrinkles out of him in the previous two weeks against the New York teams. And then against the Dolphins, it seemed as though he tightened up. It seems as though he went back to what we saw under Josh McDaniels, a very conservative, very kind of methodic, even if it's not working, I'm going to stick with it because that's the game plan mentality. Uh, and I go to those quick uh, those quick um, pop passes to the outside, the quick screen passes that we saw lose yards twice with Devontae Adams and lose yards once with Trey Tucker. It was the same thing. It's like, look, you have to understand now. You got to credit Vic Fangio. He's one of the better defensive minds in the business, right? And he was throwing things. They talked about this in the press conference after the game on Sunday. He was throwing things at them that they did not see them do ever before during the season. But you also have to expect that, Mo, coming off a bye week, right? Teams have time to put wrinkles in their offense and their defense when they're coming off a bye. So you look at that. And, and so you saw this offense move backward from that perspective. But you also saw, and this is something we've talked about a lot here, Mo, you also saw some of the weaknesses of this Raiders offense exposed. And that's not to say that they're a terrible offense, although their statistics determine that they are. They have talent there. But when you look at it from that perspective, you see some of these weaknesses, and they were exposed by a Dolphins team and a defensive coordinator who knew how to do that. A couple of things I want to point out, because a lot of people have talked about the conservativeness of the game plan. Right. So I, a couple of things that should factor into this when you talk about why they were conservative. And I might give an excuse to the coaching staff or the play calling, but you have to understand that Colton Miller was out again. This mm -hmm. is the second consecutive game. And you're playing against two all pro cornerbacks. Jalen Ramsey hadn't been healthy for the first part of the season. He was on the field. You saw him have two interceptions. You got Xavier Howard on the other side of the field. I know you have Devontae Adams. But if you're if you're an offensive play caller and you have a rookie quarterback, doesn't have a handful of starts yet, and you're going against two all-pro cornerbacks, not just good cornerbacks, all-pro cornerbacks in their prime, without your left tackle, so that means one, your long developing plays may not be able to to develop because you don't have the blocking you need. So you got to have to have the quick screen passes, the quick short passes, and number two. If you're going to throw downfield, you have to make sure that your your ball placement is on point because 
Xavier mm-hmm. Howard and, and Jalen Ramsey are going to pick passes off. Again, we saw Jalen Ramsey get two interceptions. And one year, I believe, Xavier Howard led the league in interceptions. So you have to know the personnel you're going up against. And I think the game plan initially was let's go with the short passing game because we don't want to test Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard but so much without our left tackle. So I, I think the short passing game was the right route to go. Now, of course, you want to take shots when you have them. But let's remember that Aiden O'Connell, and I said this in the offseason, this is one of my criticisms of Aiden O'Connell. While he does test defenses downfield, he will stretch the field and throw 20, 30 yards down. He can be inaccurate throwing downfield. Sure. So you knowing your rookie quarterback can be inaccurate with the deep ball, knowing you're without your left tackle, knowing you're going up against two all-pro cornerbacks, I understand why the game plan was a bit on the conservative, conservative side this weekend, last weekend. Yeah, but here's the one thing I'll disagree with you a bit there, which is when when I say conservative, I don't necessarily mean the lack of vertical. I mean, for example, even in the short passing game, which I agree with you, and we've said this for the last couple of weeks since they named O'Connell the starter, right? Which is you can't ask him to do too much, right? Because number one, he's a rookie. Number two, he's a fourth round rookie and he's learning, he's processing. What I didn't see from them was, and I agree with the short passing, what I didn't see with them was was one two-step drop, hit somebody over the middle, right? They We saw it at the beginning of the game a little bit. We saw them pass to Michael Mayer on the outside there, that route, but I didn't see anything. I thought when he started to heat up a little bit, even in the second half, it didn't sustain itself. But when you saw him get Hunter Renfro involved, like bringing him what he does best is kind of find some space and get him the dump off ball. But that, that's where I mean conservative and sort of finding ways to distribute the ball around and not making it a, 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 a pop pass to the outside, a screen pass behind the line of scrimmage, right? Because to me, that's that's not at least go positive yards. And I, and I see that. I've been watching a lot of film. And Mo, I'm trying to learn X's and O's better because that's not my forte, right? I'm learning. And the more and more I watch, I'm amazed. And I watch other teams too. Is, is a lot of the, the route construction for the Raiders on plays like third and eight, third and six. And you have receivers. And I understand sometimes you get a guy in an open space and Devontae Adams, a special guy, that whole thing. But you see routes on third and eight and the route is five yards and in. It's like, well, what are you going to do there? First of all, you're not, you're not getting to the sticks. And number two, you're setting up your quarterback. Yeah, he can, he's got the little outlet pass, sure, in case he gets under pressure. But you're not going to get the first down. So those are the types of things I, I wonder about. Now, that can go back to Josh McDaniels. This team, Mo, is not going to throw out the playbook middle of the season and get a new one. You can't do that. Okay? So they got to work within the structure they have. I was just disappointed that they didn't uh, do some of the things that they did against the Jets. Now, they didn't light up the board against the Jets either or the Giants. But it just seems as though Bo Hardegree was uneven. I'll put it that way. Well, you have to kind of expect it to be a bumpy ride at some point. I think <laughs> I tweeted point, after yes. after the game, I tweeted that people were saying, I remember when Jimmy Garoppolo was starting and Brian Hoyer had his first start. The, the popular saying was, let's see what Aiden O'Connell's got. We don't know what he is. Let's see what he's got. And I, and I posted last night on the X. I said, part of seeing what Aiden O'Connell's got is knowing that he's going to make rookie mistakes and it's going to be bumpy at times. Like, mm-hmm. did you think the Raiders were going to go, what, 8-0, 9-0 as soon as interim head coach Antonio Pierce took over and it, and Aiden O'Connell started? Did you think it was going to be smooth sailing? That was going to look, every game was going to look like the Giants game? 
<laughs> Newsflash, it wasn't going to be that way. There were there are going to be some rough patches. You have, a, as you said, you have a play caller and Bohart agree who's never called plays in the regular season before this year outside of the preseason. And you got Aiden O'Connell with a few starts. So there are going to be some hiccups. There are going to be some mistakes. There are going to be some times where the offense hits a low. There are going to be times where they don't score points for stretches. But you know why? Because they're new at doing this <laughs> and, yeah. and on the pro level. I mean, yeah. they've done it collegially in the preseason, but this is a whole different animal. So you can't expect a well-oiled machine at all times. Now, they have to clean up some things, obviously, and work on some things. Aiden O'Connell has to learn from his mistakes. I think part of one of the things that I saw with Aiden O'Connell, and someone pointed it out, I think it was John John 585 from my Blue Report Live, said that sometimes he holds on to the ball too long. You talked about getting the ball out really quick. Sometimes that's that's not on Bo Hardigree. Bo Hardigree no. can't press a button on the controller and have Aiden O'Connell throw a pass. No. Aiden O'Connell has to get that ball out quick or else the pass rush is coming. And you know Aiden O'Connell can't move in the pocket. So if yes. he doesn't get that ball out, he's taking a sack. Yeah, and there was I counted at least two, maybe three, if I re recall back to Sunday, sacks where the, he shouldn't have been sacked. He had to get rid of the ball. He had plenty of opportunity to get ball. rid of the ball, even if it's throwing mm -hmm. it out of bounds. Like, you have to do that. You see veterans do it all the time. So you're absolutely right. No, you can't blame Bo Hardigree for everything. I do think <laughs> that he didn't put his quarterback in the best position but at the same time the quarterback also didn't perform and to your point you have to expect it now i'm gonna i'm gonna bring something i'm gonna bring up a wild card right now mo because we should be consistent everybody out there including you fans who were during <laughs> when jimmy garoppolo was starting okay jimmy garoppolo was starting and and i forget which game it was pittsburgh or something like that, and they couldn't move the ball it was like it was against miami where it's three and out three and out three and out what did people say including us right? Put the kid in. He's not moving the offense. Give him a shot. You might as well throw a different quarterback. Change it up. The game's within reach, correct? The, the point of the, the, of the NFL is to win a game. So let me ask you this, Mo. You ready? You ready? It's like a political question. When Aiden O'Connell clearly couldn't get the job done Sunday in Miami, why don't you switch quarterbacks? You're close. You're within striking distance of winning the game. Now, I'm not saying permanently, but every once in a while, you bring a guy off the bench just to give the team a little juice doesn't mean you supplant the starter. And believe me, I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo fan. We know what happened with this team under Jimmy Garoppolo. But I'm wondering, why didn't you? I think it's because with a rookie quarterback like that, you want him to go through those hard moments. Be the other thing is, if so you pull him in that... Right, because if you pull him, as soon as he starts struggling... You don't want him to go out there and be nervous and his following starts where he's thinking, oh, if I screw up, if I'm not playing well, they're gonna, I'm going to get pulled again. You don't want that in your rookie quarterback's head. So you don't want to have a quick – if you're going to give him the job and let him play through his mistakes and rough patches, you let him do that. Now, if he goes Even if it uh, means losing a game. Even if it means losing a game because, again, for the rest of the season, he's probably going to be your starter. So you're going to oh, yeah. go back to him. Now, if you didn't plan on going back to him, if, you, if you're thinking, okay, we're going to go back to Jimmy Garoppolo until further notice, then I would understand it. But with a rookie like that, you got to let him play through those rough patches because, again, you don't want it to go off in his head where if I struggle, then they're going to pull me. Then you run into, oh, is he going to be conservative? Is he, is he not going to want to take chances because he doesn't want to make mistakes? The last thing you want your quarterback going out there and doing is second-guessing himself and thinking, I can't make mistakes because then you become a game manager. 
And I know that's what a lot of people expect Andy O'Connell to be anyway, but he has an arm where he doesn't have to be a game manager. And you don't want to put him in that mindset where I can't make a mistake. I can't make a mistake because you have to have the mindset of I'm trying to win this football game instead of I'm not trying to mess this game up. Absolutely. Well said. And I agree 100% with you. And, and that's it. So so when you talk about people, well, you know, winning the game, you got to go with the hot hand or switch it up, blah, blah. It depends where you're at. So that's that's how it goes. But I will say this, and I wrote a piece up on Sports Not that ran yesterday about that I think Antonio Pierce, and I, I use the word fix the offense because it's not fixable 100%. These are, there's some things that this offense needs, including, I believe, with all due respect to Aiden O'Connell, uh, another quarterback next year if they pick high in the draft. Oh, yeah. So that said, Antonio Pierce, I think, if he wants this job full-time, we talked about it, Mo. I think you had said he's got to go about six and three, somewhere around there. Winning right And now. I agree with that. But I also think for in order for him to do this, for them to have a shot, and they do have a shot with the way their defense is playing, against Kansas City at home this coming weekend, Antonio Pierce has to figure out how to get this offense going or he won't get the job because they won't win. You can't win in the <laughs> NFL without scoring points. We saw it yesterday. A Dolphin team that was or Sunday was falling down, didn't do what they usually do offensively, but the Raiders also de- deserve credit for the defense. So with that said... What in the context can they do, Mo? You're you're now installed as Bo Hardegree's replacement. What do you do with this offense to get things moving towards this part of the season where you need it's make or break? You got to win some games now, not only for confidence, but also if you want to keep this coaching staff around. The players need to know that, and they need to know that if they want to stay in the race. I know it's a long shot, but they, if they want to stay in the race, they got to fix the offense. What do you do? Two things. So the number one thing is I don't deviate from the team's identity. I, t- I posted this on X last night. The Raiders ran the ball, I believe, 16 times. Josh Jacobs had 14 carries. You don't abandon the run game if it's within one score. I understand Josh Jacobs wasn't getting a lot of yards per clip. I believe his longest run was for nine yards. I get all of that. But look at the last two weeks when the Raiders won, beat the Giants and beat the Jets. Their run game was effective and efficient. Now, it wasn't going to be efficient against that Dolphins defense, but I don't think you abandon the engine of your offense. It's very clear that Antonio Pierce wants to establish a run and run and get behind Josh Jacobs because he has a rookie quarterback he, he understands is limited mobily. And as far as ball placement is concerned, I talked about Aiden O'Connell's deep ball accuracy. So understanding what you have under center, Josh Jacobs has to be the focal point of your offense. You don't abandon that. And I think the Raiders got away from that on Sunday. The other thing is you could do what the Dolphins did or have been doing under Mike McDaniel. Add more motion. Add more window dressing to your offense to to get – to get people to get the defenders' eyes off the quarterback, get them looking at the wide receiver who's going from left to right, get them looking at the tight end who's moving over, get them looking at the running back who's switching positions. When you do stuff like that, you take the attention off of your quarterback and off of your top receiver in Devontae Adams, and you give your quarterback a shot to have some one on one matchups downfield because maybe the defenders don't have great eye discipline. We talked about eye candy a lot with Andy Reid's offense in Kansas City. I think the Raiders should take a little bit of that and add it into their offense to make it easier on Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, good points there. And I think I think too the th- the thing I realized and look, I know they're 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 out there in the number 1 spot when it comes to speed, but you realize too that the Raiders lack speed. I mean, they have Trey Tucker, he's a young player, and they're starting to work him in more, which I like to see. 
I like to see them use him differently, like you said, in motion. Use him like they use Tyreek Hill in the Miami offense. Uh, and and see, I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying that's what you should do. And and the, But that speed hurts them too. And I'm not talking about vertical speed either. I'm talking about just speed in general because uh, you're able to really open things up. And, and so they're not going to be able to fix that this year other than trying to maybe get Tucker more involved. But no, I think it's a good assessment. I think you're right. I think they need to think of how they do this differently because you, you got who you got right now. You're not getting new offensive linemen. You're not getting new wide receivers. You're, your running back is the engine. You're right. And that's the thing that blew my mind is you go from 27 carries, 27 carries to 14 carries. Like you, you can't abandon it to the point where it's going to hurt you because when they were at times during the Dolphins game, including the time you mentioned when Jacobs had the nine, nine yard run, uh, they were softening up the middle and you saw some completions come right after, right? You saw it work how it's supposed to. Uh, but then, okay, it doesn't work for three downs and you abandon it and then you start throwing these 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 screen passes and you start throwing these longer passes that were kind of uh, chuck it up and see what happens. And to me, that's where, that's where the coaching comes in. Look, they don't have the experience. I get it. But they got to try to figure it out uh, if this Raiders team is going to score points and win some more games. That, that touchdown pass to Devontae Adams in the first quarter, it was a play fake to Josh Jacobs on that play. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, exactly. you you have to do some things. You can't just have straight have Aiden O'Connell drop back and expect him to beat defenders downfield. That's not what he's going to do as a rookie quarterback with under a year of experience in the league. Correct. And not only that, but you saw – I mean, I had somebody somebody message me on, on X the other day during the game, and they said, hey, I get it. If, if they're having trouble gaining yards on the run, I get it. But why aren't you passing to Josh Jacobs out of the backfield? That's like, yeah, why, why, why aren't you? Again, you have to, and they did a couple times later in the game when it was too late, but you, you have to get him involved. He has to touch the ball. It doesn't matter how he touches the ball, to your point. He is the engine of the team. That's the way it is right now, and you got to do that. Here's the one problem with the Raiders. With Aiden O'Connell in the center, in the center now, aside from his deep ball throws, they have to be a yak team. They have to be a team that gets a lot of yards after the catch. The problem, as you point out, is they got one speed guy, <laughs> Trey <Yeah>. Tucker. So <laughs> unless Michael Mayer is breaking tackles and Hunter Renfro is breaking tackles as he did on Sunday or on a consistent basis, the offense is going to be limited unless they go downfield, which is going to be tough, again, if, against a good defense. Right, and you saw uh, they played to a Tunga Viola, excuse me, Tunga Viola, and um, you watch him play. Now, he'll go deep occasionally, but when he hits Waddle or he hits Tyreek Hill, it's for like an 18, 19-yard yes. pass and then 40 after, right? So that that underscores your point perfectly because that's that's how the Dolphins do it. Tua doesn't have to be Josh Allen throwing the ball 60 yards in the air. He doesn't need it. He's got the speed. And the Raiders are a team trying to do that without the speed. So it's very interesting. All right. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the defense a little bit, right? This defensive unit. What are they doing? What has Patrick Graham done with the talent he has to put this team in a position to win games if the offense can deliver? Uh, we'll talk about that next coming here on Silver and Black today. You're with Mo and Scott. Don't go anywhere. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. It is Silver and Black today as we roll on here on a Tuesday. We appreciate you guys being with us. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Also, listen to us on The Bet in Las Vegas on Saturdays at 6 p.m. on the radio. And also, for those of you watching on YouTube, thanks for that and thanks for the chat. You guys are awesome. Mo, we continue to raise money for the One Nation Foundation with the post-game shows, people coming in with their super chats. But I know you were talking about your your Bleacher Report lives, which, of course, you do before and after each Raiders game live. So make sure you guys check that out. Uh, is the the mood in there for the first time I've seen all season during a loss, right? Wins are wins. People love wins. Was very positive from the perspective of, hey, yeah, this team's got a ways to go. But look what we saw. Look what we saw. And most of that was focused on the defense, right? Patrick Graham's defense doing the job like they did the last three weeks. Yes, the Giants and the Jets, as we've seen. Did the Jets ever score a touchdown? They scored one touchdown. Uh, Zach Wilson threw a touchdown pass to Brees Hall, a short pass, a yak type of touchdown, which I just talked about, and then they benched him. And then they benched him. Yeah, so so the New York teams are, I, I feel bad for the New York fans, but hey, that's the way it goes. Raider fans have had misery too. They understand it. But mm-hmm. uh, you, you see that even though they finally faced a good offense who didn't perform 100%, but they did their job. And not only that, Mo, I was so impressed with this team because I, like you, watching it week in, week out for seven years for me, and seeing so many times when there was a big third down late in the game or at a big point when there's a momentum turn, the Raiders have to make a stop, and they never would. Against the Dolphins, they did several times. And so it doesn't matter if the Dolphins self-destruct, whatever. The Raiders' defense did their job. Robert Spillane almost had his fourth pick. who <laughs> was there yeah. in his hands, almost had it. But when you look at this defensive unit, and this is what I said, because people still argue with me that, and, and I say friendly argue, discuss with me, sorry, uh, that this Raiders team, this defense is only a player or two away. And I disagree. I say this player, this Raiders team lacks talent. It has talent, don't get me wrong, and it's playing well. But what Patrick Graham is getting, Mo, is maximum effort out of the people he has. That's a big difference between being a defense that's good and being a defense that can be great because you're just getting everything you can out of the people. It doesn't mean you have all the right people in place. Is that assessment wrong? Do you see the same thing I do? I do. And I, and I think I like to point out my Bleach Report lies after the game because we all know Max Crosby's great, right? We all know he should be a defensive player of the year candidate. If the Raiders won, won 10, 11 games a year, he would get more pub for that award. But what I like to point out is when the other Raiders make plays. Not that I gloss over Max Crosby. I like to let people know that it's not just Max Crosby. Now, while he's head and shoulders the best player on that defense, Robert Splane having a, a you know a standout year as well and might be a Pro Bowl as Denzel Perman was with the Raiders in his years. 
Isaiah Polamau coming up with an interception, as I mentioned earlier today. Luke Masterson forcing a fumble. Nate Hobbs forcing a fumble. Uh, these guys are coming up with turnovers. We heard about it in the offseason. I'm going to sound like a broken record saying this, but we heard all about this defense forcing all these turnovers in the, in the preseason or at training camp and at these practices, and people were wondering, is that going to translate to the field? Cool, you do it at practice. Cool, you do it at preseason against second and third stringers, but can you do it in the regular season? And I think the Raiders' defense has answered that question that they can do it in the regular season. You're seeing a lot of surprise playmates. As, as I said, who thought Robert Splane was going to be this good? Isaiah Palma had a pick six in the preseason. He has an interception in for Marcus Epps. I think he's going to get a lot more snaps if Marcus Epps can't play against the Kansas City Chiefs. Watch out for that. Luke Masterson, who took a back seat because Robert Splane is now in at linebacker next to Divine Diablo making plays, forcing a fumble. I think kudos should go to, number one, Antonio Pierce, who is still a linebacker's coach. So when you look at Masterson, Diablo, and Splane all playing well, that's a product of Antonio Pierce's coaching. He's the position coach of those players. And as I said, the other thing is, it's not just Max Crosby now. If Max Crosby has a quiet game, I know he had a sack, but you probably don't even remember it. <laughs> but he did have a sack against <laughs> the did. Dolphins. And he had a relatively quiet game compared to what we're used to seeing from Max Crosby, but it didn't matter because other guys were able to step up. So as you said, Patrick Graham is getting a lot from guys that we didn't expect. So he's get, he's doing a lot more with less. Absolutely. I agree with that. And and. And again, uh, I I don't I like optimistic fans because you the worst thing is fans who are so fatalistic like they don't think anything will ever go right. But <laughs> um, but that was my point is you add some bodies to that defense. Imagine, and and there's good play at times. Don't get me wrong, but imagine if you had a stud defensive tackle in there who was creating havoc. Then you or, free up Max Crosby. What's that? Or you had a a. a cornerback one because the Raiders don't have a lead cornerback right now. Correct. They don't. Tyreek Hill went off for 146 yards, but go ahead. <laughs> exactly. I, exactly. I, so, so yeah, so you put those two positions of need there and suddenly that defense gets a lot better. And that's my point is, but I, but I give credit to Antonio Pierce as the linebacker coach and to Patrick Graham and all the other position coaches on the defense, because what they have, they are getting the most out of over the last six weeks. They just are. And so you cannot... When the defense does give up big plays or whatever, you know, sometimes if somebody's you're playing against Tyreek Hill, look, he's he's perhaps some people would argue the MVP of the league. Okay. I know he won't win it because it's always going to be a quarterback, but he very easily can make the case. And and so you give up 145 yards to him. You don't have the talent to come. You don't have the talent that Miami has at cornerback, right? When you look at when you look at uh, what they're able to do and what they did yesterday against the Raiders. So go ahead, you're gonna say something. Scott. The key, the cornerbacks on the Raiders roster at best would be borderline cornerback twos on any other roster. Marcus Peters, like I'm not trying to pick on Marcus Peters. We know what he is at this point in his career, but he's not going up against a top flight wide receiver. And I think that hurts the Raiders because if you have a speedy wide receiver like Tyreek Hill, he's going to beat Marcus Peters more times than not. If you have a Justin Jefferson, who the Raiders are going to probably see later in the season, he's going to beat Marcus Peters more times than not. I can make an argument that even though Marcus Peters has a pick six, pick six and he has some moments, Amik Robertson may be the Raiders' best cornerback right now. Yeah. That's that's a problem. It is No a offense to Amik, but that's a problem. <laughs> yes. That's why there's many needs, and that's why uh, we talk <laughs> about the fact that this Raiders team, people like guys, they, they're hard workers, they put out good effort, nothing wrong with that, but that's why I say maximum effort from what they have.
Um, and and again, you you're right. You you have to give credit to the coaching staff and this team. You know, we're going to get into previewing the Chiefs later, but you look at the Chiefs again. The the Raiders have been unable, so have a lot of people, unable to stop Travis Kelsey. Now the Ra- the Chiefs don't have the wide receiving core that the Dolphins have, so the Raiders maybe catch a little break there. But they have Patrick Mahomes, who create seems to create things out of thin air. So they're going to get another big challenge here. Uh, coming up on Sunday against the Chiefs, and you just have to do it. But look, this this you want to call it bend, don't break, whatever you want to call it. This Raiders defense is doing enough for this team to win more games, like in Miami. So we'll see what they're able to do if they can continue to string this together. But the offense, at some point, this defense is going to have an off game, right? It just happens. Uh, and the offense is going to have to pick up the slack. The offense isn't pulling its weight as it is. So you hope that for this defense that they can keep it up a little bit while until the uh, Raiders can figure out the offensive things they need to figure out. Defense can't hold everyone under 16 points. So the Raiders kind of have to get it done offensively somehow, some way. And I think, again, it starts with sticking with the run game. But as I think how many years have Raider fans, and I've said this too, the Raiders just need a middle-of-the-road defense and they'll be fine. And then the year they get the the middle-of-the-road defense – the offense isn't that good. So I know. Yes. And that's where I had somebody say to me on Sunday, oh, this Dolphins defense is trash. I'm like, they're 11th in the league. Like, so, so I, that's trash. Like, the, yeah, they're not the Jets, I think, are high, ranked higher, but you're, that's what you're talking about with a middle. I mean, they're above middle of the road, but they're close it, to middle of the road and getting better each week. So when you look at that, that's the kind of defense you need to win. And so when people say the Raiders' defense is good, they're just a player or two away, that's where I see a disconnect. The, the Dolphins' numbers, defensive numbers, are skewed because, remember, they gave up 48 to the Buffalo Bills. And as I said, Jalen Ramsey missed the first half of the season. He just came back a few weeks ago. So to say the Dolphins' defense is trash, I don't know what that person was looking at, but as I mentioned in the first segment, you got two all-pro cornerbacks. You got Bradley Chubb on the edge. You got Christian Wilkins in the middle. That, that Dolphins has a lot of talent. Alex Van Ginkle, who is underrated, who, yes. I, who the, I said, I think he visited the Raiders this offseason before did. he signed back with the Dolphins. Yeah. He's an underrated playmaker on the edge, too, getting sacks. I believe he has a handful of sacks this season. This Dolphins yeah. defense is good. You wait till the end of the season, it'll be top 12 in scoring and, and yards um, allowed. Absolutely. Agree 100%. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we'll close out the show with a little more discussion here on Silver and Black Today and Odyssey Original Podcast. You're with Scott, you're with Mo. We roll on right after this. Welcome back. It's a home stretch here on Silver and Black Today, the Tuesday edition, an Odyssey original podcast covering the five and six Las Vegas Raiders. Also, you can hear us on The Bet in Las Vegas on the radio. And check out our YouTube channel. If you're watching this there, thank you for being there. If you haven't been there yet, go ahead and subscribe, hit the notifications bell, and you can watch us as well. Yes, watch us. Uh, I am Scott Colbranson, your host, along with my co-host, Mo Moten. And we roll on here. And I want to look ahead a little bit here with this Raiders team. Of course, we know the big challenge on Sunday coming up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it's a big one, I think, for the team. Clearly, it always is when you have a division. The Raiders are 1-1 one one in the division. I know it sounds crazy, right? But they're 1-1 one one in the division. So a win against Kansas City would be a big deal. Uh, the AFC playoff hunt is a complete bloodbath, as I call it. It's a mess. You saw again on Sunday with some of these teams losing. Of course, the Bills bounced back. 
The Texans won again. The Bengals are going to continue to drop like a rock without Joe Burrow. So things are opening up. And as crazy as it sounds, and I, I'm not trying to peddle false hope, Mo, but this game could be huge for the Raiders, not only for the team and for their momentum and for their coach, Antonio Pierce, but also for if they want to stay alive in the playoff race. Because if you look at it, they beat Kansas City. They go to 2-1 two to one, two and one in the AFC West. They go to 6-6 six and six into the bye. You and I said last week they just had to win one of these two games. Well, they lost the first one. <laughs> so now they got to win this one. Um, but entirely possible. Look, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. They seem to always be able to pull the magic rabbit out of the hat. And he usually wears 87 on a passing play over the middle. But, um, but the Raiders, looking at this game... It's a huge opportunity for them. There's a lot of pressure around it. You got to get better play out of everybody to do this. But when you look at this, if the Raiders can win this one, Mo, sitting at six and six into the bye, which they had a late bye, that's a nice position to be in for a team that's gone up and down, struggled, and fired its coach. Yeah, it is a big if because we're talking about the Chiefs here, but it, it, anything is possible. I mean, we've seen. Uh, we see upsets every week, right? We pick games every week, and there is one game where you're like, "Whoa, what happened there?" Let's not remember. Let's not forget. Like the Colts beat the Ravens earlier this year. The, the the Cardinals beat the Cowboys without Kyler Murray this year. Like you know, we can sit here and think we know what's going to happen, but you just never know. Any given Sunday, especially in these divisional games, the Bears gave the Lions issues on Sunday. Oh, that game last yeah. Sunday. So. Whew. So, you know, I, while the people say, oh, we're not going to beat the Chiefs, hey, I, I've seen I've seen other Raider teams that didn't have a shot at the playoffs still give the Chiefs some type of issue, some, kind, some type of competitive matchup in Kansas City, in Oakland slash Las Vegas. It, it, it could definitely happen. Now, again, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how the Raiders stack up as far as with Travis Kelsey because that's been their issue is covering him. But we'll see how it looks differently this year because, as you mentioned, now they don't have Tyreek Hill on the outside. So there's no wide receiver out there that they have to really pay attention to or double cover. All attention on Travis Kelsey. If you, strap, if you stop Travis Kelsey, you have a shot to win the football game. Yeah, and I think the Chiefs will, even though they're not a big running team, they will try. And they've done it successfully against the Raiders the last couple of years, actually have run the ball effectively. And so I would expect Andy Reid to do that as, as he's seen what's happened with this team over the over the course of the season thus far. But that Kansas City game, yeah, big, obviously, for so many different reasons. And then they get to the bye week, Mo. And here's my question for you, because we don't know what's going to happen in the Chiefs game, clearly. Win or lose, though, heading into that bye, um, I think this is where the Raiders are going to have to look at themselves and say, okay, so what do we do? If they lose against the, the, the Chiefs, then they're five and seven. So they're at seven losses. Um, and then you come back, and I think it's Minnesota right out of the, out of the bye, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, you, uh, Los Angeles. Oh, it's, Chargers. A, it's the Chargers. Sorry. Mm -hmm. So then they got a big divisional game right after that uh, coming out. And so so you you have to I think look at all the things that you 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 are working on in season. You get a little extra time there. The guys get a break, all that kind of stuff. Which frankly, the defense is going to need a break because they've been on the field for so damn long that uh, they're going to do that. But I think that's a huge opportunity the bye week to to give Aiden O'Connell time off. But actually, knowing what we've heard about him, maybe get him some extra time to work. Right. To think, to figure things out and to watch film and to get ready uh, for that tail end of the season. Because listen, for Aiden O'Connell, too, 
I, I don't. A lot of people. Oh, I've seen enough. I'm done. We need a quarterback. Look, no, four games, no. But I will tell you, those of us who look at it from this perspective, and I think Mo, you're in the same boat. I never looked at Aiden O'Connell as the guy that you knew is going to be the franchise quarterback for the next ten years. No, we've always said you see what you have. So you got to see what you have. Uh, and the Raiders, if the Raiders are in the top 15 in the draft, yeah, I think they should take a quarterback if the right one is there. Okay? So Aiden O'Connell is not the end-all answer. We don't know that he is. But he can develop into something nice. But you have to see what that is. But I do think that time would be huge for him to be able to spend some time to think about it, to work. Uh, again, I know they give guys off, days off. But if I'm him, I might be in that in that facility a little early than most guys and trying to figure out what I got to face against the chargers who clearly choke all the time. And it might be an opportunity <laughs> coming out of the bye to get momentum towards the end of the season. So a few things, number one, you were actually right. It is the Vikings coming out of a bye. Got my oh, it, is, okay. it is the Vikings out of the bye. You were right. It's the Chargers right after on a short week on Thursday. Uh, but I, I is think the Viking game Sunday night. It's not a Sunday night football game. It's for it's a four p.m. Eastern time, one p.m. Oh, Pacific time game. So normal time for most Raider games. Yes. Um, but I think, as you mentioned, let's say the Raiders do lose to the Kansas City Chiefs in their five and seven. You talked about having to look yourself in the mirror and like, what do we? Okay, what do we do moving forward? And I think a lot of people then move to, oh, we should tank. Although you don't purposely tank, a lot of fans are going to say tank, get a high draft pick. We're not going to make the playoffs for five and seven. I think you have to look at the rest of the schedule. We talked about it. The Vikings at home. Then you have the Chargers on a short week. They're used to short-circuiting you know, themselves. The Chargers' losses are mine. I watched the Chargers game yesterday on Sunday. Mind-numbing what the Chargers do to lose football games. Then they got the Chiefs in Arrowhead on Christmas Day. <laughs> Tough one. Then you got the Colts who you know, are on a borderline of the playoff picture, but no one looks at them as a playoff team. And then you have the Broncos who are much improved now. Much. But yes. the Raiders have beaten the Broncos for the past three, four years. So there's a possibility you can go five and seven. And just like you, I'm not trying to peddle false hope. But you can still very well go four and one and finish the season at nine and eight, which gives you a shot at the seventh seed. Now, it's a tough road. But I think if, even if you fall to five and, says, five and seven, excuse me, you can't give up on the season because the schedule outside of Kansas City on Christmas Day isn't really that daunting. Right, right. And again... People forget too, especially on teams teams like this. This with the Raiders is people are performing. You got to perform to keep your job, yeah. right? It's a meritocracy. So if you want to keep your job next year, you got to do well. So tanking, nobody wants to tank because and you. Then that means you have to play terribly and you could lose your job. And the same goes for Antonio Pierce, who wants exactly. to keep the job. Exactly. I know a lot of our listeners want Pierce to keep the job because exactly. they like him. He's a Raider. The whole deal. And if that's the case, you can't tank, right? Exactly. exactly. So I know there are people who will disagree with that, but it's true. The guy wants to keep his job. They're going to do everything you, they can to you, win. What's the saying, Scott? You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have it both ways. You can't want to tank and then want to keep Antonio Pierce because if you're tanking, you're losing. Antonio Pierce is not going to keep his job. So if he wants to keep his job, tanking is not an option. Right. <laughs> and, and some people would argue this point, and I've seen it online, which is, well, they could still tank. We know Pierce is the guy and Davis likes him. So so if they're purposefully tanking, which no. we know nobody does, then it's okay because he knows. No. I'm like, no, no. He no. doesn't know if Antonio Pierce is a good head coach yet. We don't know. Exactly. He might be. Everybody would love him to be. <laughs> but unless you can solve at least 
for now, the offensive issues and win football games. Look, coaches don't get hired because they lose six games out of the nine they coach. It doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. So, yes. So <laughs> I think some people are going to struggle with the logic there. But it, it is that. You, you have to win football games. So, And I think this one, that's why this game against Kansas City is so big. To, to win that game, at, and it's at home, right? If it's like, mm-hmm. like you said, the Christmas Day game against the Chiefs and Arrowhead, it's cold. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. But this one at home, if you're going to beat the Chiefs, I think this is the one that you're going to need and able to do that. Who are going to be coming off of a short week in a physical matchup. Yes. So. Absolutely. Playing the Eagles tonight, uh, on Monday. The, I mean, it, the, the, the thing with that, and that's the one thing I made on the postgame show on Sunday, which was the idea that if you wanted the Chiefs in a position to sit, because how many times, it's a crazy number if I go back a couple of years, Mo, the Raiders playing the Chiefs after coming off a bye. It was like astronomical. It was like mm-hmm. four or five times in the last 10 years or something crazy. Mm-hmm. And and we all know Andy Reid's record coming off a bye. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the Raiders have everything going in their direction. They just can't score points. Which is going to be tough because the Chiefs defense is a lot better than it was in years Ooh. past. This is this is a lot of people don't know this. It's a top tier defense. Yes. Yes. So. That's it. And 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 they see they quote unquote Chiefs struggles on offense. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And and that's just to say the Chiefs' offense isn't as high-powered as it once was, but it still scores points, it still has Travis Kelsey, and it still has Patrick Mahomes. And if you say, well, all you got to do is shut down Kelsey, they haven't been able to do it since he's been in the league. Literally. The, the Raiders, I mean, maybe one game they held him sort of in check. Is, is he maybe Robert, had 80 uh, or 90 yards. <laughs> is Robert Spillane the answer? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Hey. We'll see. Give him a shot, right? We'll see how it all rolls. But it's going to be fun, and I know it's Thanksgiving weekend week, and so we got a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, Mo, what do you got going? Uh, I talked about my sports not piece earlier on Antonio Pierce and the offense. What do you got going on Bleach Report this week, and also on sports not? I know that's usually a surprise, so you don't know yet. But tell us a little bit about what you got in the hopper. Bleach Report live coming up on Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Thanksgiving Eve, spend some time with me. Bring your turkey, bring your ham. Save the pineapple and the ham. I don't eat pineapple with my ham. (laughs) Please, ham by itself and no pineapple. We'll talk about the Raiders' offense and how the Raiders can fix it moving forward so they can score more points and not revert back to the Josh McDaniels-like offense. And then on sports, as you said, I like to have it a surprise. I'll think of something in throw it up on there for Wednesday slash Thursday. Cause I know a lot of people are going to be joining the holiday Thursday. So I might throw it up there on Wednesday. That sounds good. And we'll be back either Wednesday or Thursday. Mo and I haven't talked about it yet, but we'll figure it out. Uh, and so we'll do that and get geared up. Maybe, maybe it'll be Friday instead. Like it'll be a black Friday show. Well, at least a half black Friday. Are, why the jets are getting whooped by. <laughs> Did you get the joke? Half black I got Friday? the joke. Yes. Yes. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were gonna try to sneak something like that in gotta, there. Gotta try I felt something. It, I felt it coming while the Jets are getting their butts kicked by the Dolphins. That's gonna be a mess. Yes, uh, we'll see it. So yeah, that's the thing with football. You know, and, and covering covering football, the NFL on Sports Not is this week. You know, we usually have our heavy Sundays, just like you do, right? Mm-hmm. And then now though, we have Thursday with Thanksgiving, and then you got Friday. <laughs> And then Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a crazy week. But hey, but good for everybody out there sitting at home, enjoying themselves, enjoying their family, enjoying 
uh, the holiday, so it'll be good. Uh, but, but I look forward to it. But we will get back. We will talk something about the Chiefs in, in, in a format or so. I know last week we were a little short. We had some stuff come up. Couldn't do a show for Thursday. Uh, that's why I dropped one on Friday. By the way, my keys to the game were dead on, Mo. You you would have been proud. What were the keys? Keys were long sustained offensive drives, <clears throat> containing the the Dolphins' offense as much as possible. Now they still put up 400 yards, but you could argue they they sort of did that. And then third was just uh, third was uh, um, special teams and making sure field position, basically in essence. So I think overall the Raiders did okay with that. Uh, the offense just killed them. So that's the way it goes. Turnovers and, and unsustained drives. Turnovers, yes, absolutely. Unsustained drives. Can't do it anymore. Got, got, there's got to be a switch that flips, man. All right, Mo, we will talk to you later this week. Sounds good. All right. For everybody here at Silver and Black today, including our producer, Mike Robier and Mo Moten, I'm Scott Branson. We will talk to you guys soon. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you don't listen to us or hear from us, by Thanksgiving, have a wonderful Thanksgiving and enjoy the day if you have the day off. If you don't and you're working on Thanksgiving, thank you for your sacrifice as well. So many folks, including my wife's family, worked in the service industry, so I understand what it's like. And you'll probably be celebrating Thanksgiving on Wednesday or Friday. So enjoy it whatever uh, time you can get with the family. For everybody here at Silver and Black today, we'll talk to you soon and see you on YouTube. I think I'm just rambling now. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>